nice. That's very fancy. Yeah. We're in a fancy nightclub. I like that. This is Ryan Holmes from Blazing Rye Radio for the David Bowers Awards, and I'm here in Times Square speaking to the theater and cabaret critic for Time Out New York, Adam Feldman. Adam, how are you? I'm very well here in the heart of the Rialto Times Square itself. I could barely get in the door. There were so many people outside. Fans. Stage door Johnnies. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I've been one of those myself, uh, mainly with Nick Jonas. Um, no one can blame you. No, not, not with those muscles. So I uh, just wanted to, to talk to you about the, the Tony Awards that are, uh, well, tonight, technically, uh, and discuss maybe some of your, what, what were some of your favorite productions, favorite performances over the last year? Gosh, uh, it's an open-ended question. It, yeah. it actually, I think it's been an unusually good season in many mm -hmm. ways, uh, and the Tony Awards reflect that. It's... It's unfortunate in a way that the Tonys are going to be so dominated, at least on the musical side, by, by Hamilton. Uh, not unfortunate in that Hamilton is extraordinary and deserves to be acclaimed. Um, but, uh, and we're very lucky to have such a, a show in any year. But uh, there are other shows that probably would get a little bit more love in other seasons that are going to be a little bit overshadowed this year. Uh, but a strong season, you know, if you look at the contenders at the Tonys this year for Best Musical, uh, for Best Revival of a Musical, an extraordinary category this year, uh, Best Play, Best Revival of a Play, you know, all of the contenders in each of those categories um, is, uh, you know, all of them are, are, uh, are quite strong this year. And, you know, it's, it, it's the funny thing about the Tonys. When you look back, you see that there are some years where there just happened to be a lot of really great shows and other years that for some reason are kind of fallow. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so looking back on the list of best musicals is not necessarily a great way to, to find what the best plays in musical theater history have been because there have been a lot of years where they just happened to be up against each other. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, uh, famously, the, you know, there was the year that Gypsy lost best musical right. to a tie, mm -hmm. you know, to The Sound of Music and Fiorello. Um, and then there are other years, like the, you know, I don't, know, I don't want to name names, but there are certainly weaker years uh, where there, there's... Go ahead, much. name some names. Uh, well, the, the 1989, when, you know, Jerome Robbins Broadway, you know, a, a, a strong show, but had no competition. I mean, Black and Blue, a, a good um, review. Uh, they had to fill out the category. There was a show called Star Mites that they filled out the category with, and then they couldn't even find a fourth nominee that year. Um, so it was only the three of them. And this was the year after 1988 when you had Into the Woods and Phantom, you know. Uh, it's, you know, year to year it really changes a lot. We've had a lot of good seasons lately and I, I you know, but then, you know, the, the, the Memphis year, for example, was very weak. Uh, 2010 or whatever that was. Uh, a very weak year. And uh, then you have years like 2004 where you've got Avenue Q and Wicked and Carolina Change and, and Boy From Oz. Or the year after that when it was... Uh, Light in the Piazza, mm. and Spelling Bee, and Spamalot, and Very Rotten Scoundrels. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's year to year. But that's a digression. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's what was the question fine. again? It doesn't matter, but you mentioned that uh, it's kind of an unfortunate year that, that Hamilton is nominated amongst all these other musicals. Do you think that it's going to, I mean, record 16 nominations, do you think that it's well, going to be a sweep? No, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. Uh, it's uh, It has a record 16 nominations. It, it could theoretically get the record for best for most wins, mm -hmm. but only if it sweeps all 13 categories in which it's nominated. Uh, I think that's very unlikely. I think the most it can realistically get is 12. Uh, the category that I think very few people think it has a strong chance in is best actress in a musical, best lead actress in a musical. Uh, it does have a nominee in that category, Philippa Sue. Uh, who is wonderful in Hamilton and who was wonderful in Natasha Pierre in the Great Comedy of 1812 a few years ago off probably. Um, it, it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely performance, but an, an exceptionally crowded category in that, uh, in that particular race this year. Uh, so you've got Cynthia Erivo, who probably will win from The Color Purple, uh, but you've also got Carmen Cusack, who's wonderful in Bright Star. You've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, Waitress, you know, you've got... Uh, uh, Jesse Mueller from Waitress. Um, you have Audra McDonald, who wasn't even nominated 
uh, this year, uh, and and Anna Villafania, who you know from uh, on you know, from on your feet, wasn't even nominated. You have Laura Benanti, who was wonderful, and she loves me. Uh, so a lot of really strong performances this year. I think that uh, Philippa Sue ultimately is a more of a featured role, more of a supporting role in Hamilton, although it's been categorized as lead, and I think that will put her at a bit of a disadvantage in competition against these extraordinary performances. Um, but Hamilton does have a chance. I think it, it will solidly win seven or eight for sure. Uh, and then there are a few that are on the tipping point. Um, I think it could tie the record for best for most wins, which is 12, a record held by the producers okay. in 2001 and also Billy Elliot in 2009. Um, but uh, there are a few categories where it will where it could really go either way. Best choreography is one. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, not that the work in Hamilton isn't terrific; it is. But there's also Sadie and Glover, who did sure. terrific work in Shuffle Along. And if people, if the voters, it really depends on the mood of the voters. Mm -hmm. If they want to recognize what an amazing phenomenon Hamilton has been by voting for it down the line then Hamilton will win some of these cusp categories, like best choreography, best costumes, best set, where arguably uh, there's you know other work that is at least, at least as good. Um, but, you know, it, it, or if the voters sort of are in a more generous spread the wealth kind of mood, then they can give it to other shows. Um, but I, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's ultimately academic whether it happens to win 12 or it happens to win 10. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Billy Elliot and the producers won 12 in those years because uh, of the competition they were against in those years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's, you can't really separate it out from those other questions. Gotcha. Uh, okay, cool. Well, let's, um, you mentioned Jesse, by the way, Mueller. I went to college with her and, and we were in the uh, drama department at Syracuse together and she was the nicest, quietest person. She became <laughs> ill at some point, and she had to leave school for a while. And then she just came back, you know, with a vengeance with her. Uh, she was the lead in the the main stage play and the main stage musical and stuff. And that was pretty unprecedented at school at the time. But um, it's so crazy to you know go from being friends with this sweet, uh, quiet Jesse Mueller, and then now she's this Tony Award winning uh, performer and. Uh, the great thing about it is, it couldn't happen to a nicer person. Well, she's just wonderful. Yeah. Right? You know, but you know, I don't. I don't. Ne I don't necessarily need for, for talented people to be nice. It's mm -hmm. not. You know, it's sort of not my business. You know. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a bonus if they sure. are. You know, uh, and it doesn't surprise me in in Jesse Mueller's case because I think there's something about that that really registers on stage. You know. Yeah. Um, you, she radiates. It's. Humility is uh, an unusual quality to associate with the musical theater diva, mm -hmm. uh, but that is one of the things that she does so well. She's very likable and unassuming, um, and then she turns out to be tremendously talented, and it gives it an extra element of, of sweetness. Yeah, she's amazing. So what we'll do now is we'll just go through a list of the <laughs> sexier categories. All right, and, let's um, do it. We'll see... Uh, who your predictions are for uh, the winners. Uh, sure. So we'll start with uh, best play. Who do you pick for the best play uh, for 2016? Best play, I think, is going to be The Humans by Stephen Karam. Uh, it is a, a very good play. Mm -hmm. um, it's also won a lot of preliminary awards, including the Pulitzer Prize uh, this year. And, um, uh, and I think it has the right mix of elements. It's a serious play, but it's very approachable. It feels very modern. Mm -hmm. um, it's still playing, which is a factor. Uh, How long has that been open? It's well, it was off Broadway and then it moved right. to Broadway, in, you know, a few months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's playing an open-ended commercial run, which is unusual for a play these days. Um, and it, you know, it's it's a nice story because it's not a name-brand playwright, although he's been critically acclaimed. Uh, there aren't any stars in the cast. It's not that kind of show. And that kind of show has become the model for producing for, for good reasons and understandable reasons. Uh, but often when producers are taking on plays on Broadway as opposed to musicals, they're booking them with strong stars that will guarantee a certain level, or they hope will guarantee a certain level of box office. And that 
sometimes necessarily means that they will be for limited runs. Mm -hmm. And they hope to sort of come in, go out, make a few bucks. Uh, but this is a different model. This is a, an open-ended commercial run of a new play by a, you know, with a, with a non-star cast that is going strictly on its own merits. And, you know, as a producer decision, Scott Rudin, who produced this show, uh, did something very interesting. He actually announced the Broadway transfer of this show, which had been at the Roundout Off-Broadway. Um, he announced the transfer before it even opened Off-Broadway, before it even got the reviews that I think they hoped and expected it would get. But uh, it was a nice gesture of support as a producer, that he believed in this play enough that he wasn't going to let it go into the traditional narrative of it opened, it got great reviews, and then they transferred it. He, you know, uh, had enough faith in it by itself before it was, you know, uh, agreed upon, uh, you know, by the press. Um, and I think that the play deserves that. It's, uh, I think, a lovely play. It's divided some people, but I think it's a lovely, lovely play. So I, that, I think that will win, and I think it deserves to win. Cool. The Humans for Best Play. How about uh, Best Musical? Best Musical will be Hamilton. For sure. Yeah, absolutely no question. Okay. Um, best, uh, and you like Hamilton. Hamilton is one of the best shows I've ever seen. And how many times have you seen it? I've seen it three times. I saw it off-Broadway, and then I saw it when it opened, and I just recently revisited it. You know, oh, and there was somebody things. near you with a cough or something? Oh, my God. No, I wish it was a cough. Oh, oh man. It? Uh, it was a gentleman who was seated in front of me, and I can't quite describe the odor. Uh, it was a combination of kind of stale talcum powder, <laughs> body odor. It was like a mix of things. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, it was a sickly sweet mm -hmm. sort of uh, baby powder slash decaying corpse smell <laughs> and uh, an overwhelming nostril clogging yeah. smell and, and you know I, well, honestly but we, we got through the whole show by pretending it was the smell of powdered wigs this was a right. decision that we made uh, early on and we just decided that we were just going to go with the environmental staging imagined odorama effect <laughs> of it and, and you got through it and we did get through it but it was a lot of mouth breathing for me did you have a, a headache afterwards uh, no, you know, luckily the show is transportational enough that we were able to sort of escape That's good. The, uh, the miasma. <laughs> um, I have tried the lottery like every day and never gotten in. <laughs> Keep trying. Um, will do. Best revival of a play. Best revival of a play is going to be an interesting category. Yes. Um, I think this is actually going to be interesting throughout uh, to see how much the voters like the Ivo van Hove revivals that were sort of critical darlings and got a lot of attention this year. Uh, he did two Arthur Miller plays, uh, A View from the Bridge and The Crucible. He's got a very strong directorial style uh, that is not naturalistic, uh, mm -hmm. that is uh, more common in Europe uh, and off-Broadway in America, but we don't see very much on Broadway. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's very striking, the images that he creates. Um, and I think that it assumes to some degree that you have a baseline familiarity with the plays and so that you can experience them on two levels. You know, you can experience them as the play that you already know and also be alert to all the directorial and staging choices that are being made very strongly. Uh, and I think that some people love that and some people may not. The interesting thing is going to be how the voters split on that because there are a lot of categories where those revivals could take the creative Tonys for, for lighting and set and, you know, uh, and also for best director and best revival in some of the performances. Or if the voters prefer a more traditional style, they could go with things like The Humans or Long Day's Journey Into Night. Uh, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. Uh, I'm really not sure is the truth. The disadvantage that Evo's, that the Evo side of that has uh, is that View from the Bridge is generally considered to have been sort of uh, a little more newsworthy than The Crucible. It got better reviews, it's been, it was a little buzzier, but it is closed, it closed months ago. And Tony voters do tend to reward shows that they've seen more recently, and especially that are still running. Mm -hmm. um, and that may work to the disadvantage of View from the Bridge. Um, 
So uh, the answer is I don't know. I think it will be either a review from the bridge or a long day's journey in tonight. Uh, and uh, if I had to put money on it, I would probably say it will go to view from the bridge. But it could it could very well go to to long day's journey, which I mean both of them are, are were wonderful are wonderful you know, productions. So I uh, didn't see view from the bridge um, myself, uh, but I saw these. Advertisements for it saying it's so amazing, and uh, yeah. and then my, I went to lunch with my friend Jason, and he said, "Oh, I saw you from the bridge on Broadway," and I was like, "Oh, it's supposed to be amazing." He said it was terrible, and I was like, well, "What do you mean terrible?" And he said, "Well, the direction. I mean, Eddie at the end kisses Rodolfo and the." Catherine, it's and a, that's not in the script. Well, right? yeah, there's a lot of very strong choices, and yeah. also, you know, the, that production ended with a a rain of blood from the ceiling. You know, really? that's not in the script either. Uh, the cool. uh, so, you know, it was a very uh, Eva Van Hover uh, really gravitates to these very strong uh, non-realistic. Directorial choices, yeah. and and I think that there are some people who love that and who mm -hmm. are excited by it and uh, and feel like it reinvigorates the text, the familiar text. And there are some people who find it uh, confusing or distracting, or academic. Uh, and uh, there will probably, you know, I think both of those are, are fair responses to it. I, I really enjoyed that production, um, but I can see why people would resist it. Interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh I mean, it's, it's a powerful show. I, I didn't see that production. I mean, I've seen it done before. Uh, Crucible, I saw it at Syracuse Stage, saw an almost all-black cast do the Crucible, hmm. which at the time, it was directed by Timothy Davis, and um, at the time, August Wilson was still alive, and he came in to talk to us at uh, our weekly lab, and um, all my stories are from like 15 years ago. Uh, but uh, he said, um, somebody from the audience asked, you know, I know you might feel strangely about what's going on at the theater next door because we have this almost all black cast in the Crucible. And then August Wilson said, well, you apparently have heard that I am not a fan of colorblind casting. And then they went on this whole thing, he went on this whole thing about how they tried to get fences made a bunch of times, a film of fences, and Eddie Murphy was going to star in it and it almost happened but they could only find white directors they couldn't find yeah. black directors so August Wilson didn't want to move forward with it and now it's finally being made and I think that Denzel is the, uh, directing it but um, but yeah it was a great production though of The Crucible huh yep <laughs> um, what do you think about Color Blind Cast? Uh, I think it, it depends I guess on the project I, yeah. I don't I don't have a problem with it as in and of itself yeah I think it it Generally speaking, I think it's a rule of thumb: uh, the the race of the cast, or the sex of the cast, or, the, or you know, uh, matters if those things are thematically important. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, if you do ragtime, where race is a central issue, and you and you uh, cast it colorblind, it will be confusing. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but if it's not, then I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, people don't sing and dance in real life either. It's not a realistic right. medium. Yeah. You make certain leaps of imagination as an audience. Um, the whole fact that you're sitting in a theater to begin with, watching people pretend to be something else, you know, feet, you know 10 feet in front of you, uh, requires a significant imaginary, I mean, you know, imaginative leap. Um, sure. So, uh, yeah, and I think even in shows where race is important, you can use race-blind casting uh, smartly and in a provocative way. So I think it's really case-by-case. Yeah. Case. yeah, I think that that's what was the case in that particular production. Uh, best revival of a musical, who you got? Uh, this is actually one of the hardest categories to predict, um, in part because the four nominees are very strong. Spring Awakening doesn't have much of a chance because it closed in the fall. Uh, but Color Purple, She Loves Me, you know, and Fiddler on the Roof, uh, are, I, I mean, I enjoyed all th three of those productions very much. Uh, I think they all are interesting. I think they're strong accounts of the material. I think they're all memorable. I recommend them all. They all have different, they're very different shows, all of them. Uh, Color Purple has a, they all have different advantages. Um, I think Color Purple has the advantage of being a better production than the original, which is rare. 
uh, and the original in this case with well within living memory. Yeah, not uh, it's only 10 years ago, so, uh, you know, 11 years ago. So, so people really are alert to what a good production this is. Well, uh, you know, and John Doyle's directorial decisions are very smart in this. Uh, and the textual revisions, such as they are, are, are well chosen. And, and so it's especially impressive as a production mm -hmm. because uh, you're aware specifically of, of, of how good it is. Uh, the uh, She Loves Me is a very different kind of show. It's just a pure, for me, a pure chocolate box delight of a show. Uh, wonderful material, not super well known or over familiar, even though it was revived uh, very well 23 years ago, 22 years ago. Um, it's uh, it was it's one of the rare shows that has kind of grown in reputation. Usually, people only bring back huge hits. Uh, she loves me was a modest success in the 60s. Uh, was a modest success in the 90s. So it's really just a labor of love. But the love is well earned because the show itself is just so delightful, <laughs> so charming, um, sweet and funny and smart, yeah. and um, and everything about it is about this revival is is satisfying. You know, it it just gets the tone and it keeps it. It sustains that old musical theater tone without seeming uh, forced or corny or old fashioned. And so. Um, and, and She Loves Me also has the advantage of being up for, you know, uh, the most Tonys this year. It had eight nominations, which is more than, uh, significantly more than, twice as much as The Color Purple um, or, um, or Fiddler on the Roof. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want, if voters sort of feel like they should give it something, this is an opportunity to give it an award. Uh, Fiddler has the advantage of being the best show of the three. Uh, the strongest, most moving show. Uh, it's the same team that wrote, from the same, uh, you know, uh, lyricist and composer who wrote "She Loves Me," uh, but it's a, uh, you know, it's hard to compare them. They're doing such different things. But Fiddler is maybe for me one of the best ten shows of all time. Uh, so it, it hits you on a different gut level, uh, and when you have a strong production, as I think this one really is, uh, then the show works and is moving and is sort of when you're when you're trying to decide among three very successful shows maybe the takeaway is which one stuck with me which one moved me the most and that would uh, be in the, in the advantage of fiddler mm -hmm. so really that one is a toss up that category yeah um and uh you know in their commercial runs uh, mm -hmm. she loves me will close uh but the other two are uh, are both in theory open ended runs mm -hmm. and uh, both of them are struggling slightly at the box office. Both of them could use a lift, um, and so it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, that'll be an interesting category. I'm very curious to see what what will win that. So, Fiddler, in in the top ten of all time, right up there with like Spider-Man turning off the dark. Right. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's quite as good right. as Spider-Man turn off the dark, <laughs> but it's it's certainly up there. Yeah. Best book of a musical. Hamilton. No questions there. Nope. Best original score. Hampton. All right. Yeah, those are those are absolute sell your baby locks. <laughs> you know, uh, I there there is uh, no doubt in anyone's mind. Yeah. Uh, those are one hundred percent take it to the bank locks. They're like, do people bet on the Tonys? Can can we get <laughs> in on some sort of gambling? Tony Probably frame? somewhere, but uh -huh. uh, I don't I don't I don't know. But if you're if you're gambling at home, if you've got your office pool, uh -huh. uh, those are extremely safe bets. But everyone else will get them right too, so you won't win anything on those. <laughs> All right. Uh, now for the performances. Mm. Uh, best performance by an actor in a leading role. In this a is another one of the real suspense categories. Oh, in a play. Well, actually, this is a very this is a very contentious category also. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> uh, tricky. There isn't a, there isn't one outstanding, obvious choice this year. I don't think. I think Frank Frank Langella has a good chance in The Father, which is still playing. I think Mark Strong has a has a chance for, uh, for View from the Bridge. Disadvantage is that it's closed. Same with Tim Pickett Smith, from um, King Charles III. Both of those are at the disadvantage of having closed, and. Uh, it's a th part of it is just that voters forget. Part of it is a psychological yeah. thing. Part of it is that they've seen it. Uh, it's just fresher in their minds uh, mm -hmm. when the show is still running. Part of it is wanting to be useful by sending people to uh, by rewarding a show that still could profit from being rewarded instead of the sort of more academic reward that you give to a show that is closed. Uh, 
I'm not saying anyone specifically sits down and makes those choices based on those criteria, but they do kind of, in a weird sort of way, I think they influence people's decisions. Who are these voters? Uh, there's about 800. Vote? I am one of the voters. Okay. Uh, there's 800. There's uh, 800 and some odd. 820-something, I think. I'm not sure. 850? I don't know. It's in the 800s. In the, yeah. And uh, most of them are producers. And then there's delegations from other areas. So there's super delegations. There are no super delegations, uh, but there are. Uh, there's a there's a wing that is uh, composed of actors. There's a wing that's composed of designers. There's a wing that is composed of uh, critics. There's a wing, you know, that's composed of uh, different um, sort of categories. Sure. But for the most part, it, it is heavily weighted to producers. Gotcha. So, but in that. Gabriel Byrne, Jeff Daniels, Frank Langella, Tim Pickett-Smith, Mark Strong, any of those that you would put your money on today? Uh, I don't want to lose anyone any money, uh, <laughs> but I think this is a really tricky one. Uh, I think Frank Langella has a strong chance, uh, but really this is one of those categories where pretty much almost anyone could win, uh, and uh, a, real, uh, a real mystery category. Okay. And how about best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play? Uh, I think this will go to Jessica Lange. Really? Yeah. Oh, by the way, Long Day's Journey into Night, does the title, I was just thinking about this and how long some of O'Neill's plays are, does the title mean because you walk in the theater one day and then you come out the next day? <laughs> you know, it is a long show. It's, it's nearly four hours long, three yeah. hours and 45 minutes long. Uh, and I, I must admit, um, as someone who sees a lot of theater and is usually seeing it after a full day of work at the office, uh, I don't always look forward to a four-hour wow. show. Uh, in this case, it really zipped by for me. Really? Um, I, I was completely absorbed in it. And when you're in that world where everything is interesting, the time really goes very fast. I would much rather see a four-hour show like this. You know, any day of the week, I would see this again over many of the 70-minute shows that I see, uh, which turn out to be... To seem excruciatingly long, <laughs> if they are, you know, if every moment of it is painful and yeah. you're waiting for it to be over, uh, that sometimes does happen. Or if it's if it's just boring, if it's it's happening and you don't care. Yeah. Um, theater time is different from real world time, uh, and certainly O'Neill can seem very long if it's not done well. But in this case, I think it was done extremely well. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, you know, it was uh, didn't feel like a long night at all. Uh, and I think that really Jessica Lang is extraordinary in this uh, production. Uh, I think that she's also central to this vision of the play in a way that uh, the character, that I haven't seen the character be in the past. Not that Mary isn't the biggest part of the play in many ways, but, uh, but the whole production, the whole conception of it really kind of revolves around her in this version. And uh, she rises to the occasion. She brings all sorts of surprising colors to this performance uh, that uh, seemed both appropriate to the character and surprising in the history of how the character has been performed. And I, I, I think it's a wonderful performance, and I think she deserves to win. Well, I hope so, because Laurie Metcalf won't do Blaze and Rye. What do you think about that? <laughs> Laurie Metcalf is wonderful, was <laughs> wonderful in Misery. Misery was not a successful show, did not deserve to be, and was not a very good show. But, <laughs> but Laurie Metcalf is a dynamite actress, and she milked that teeth of that show. <laughs> you know, she squeezed every last drop of good milk from, from that little show. That's Bruce Willis, right? It was yeah, her, and Bruce was, was he? Not, not helping. Not. <laughs> um, and, and, now, and in his defense, a very difficult part. He's, he's mm -hmm. stuck in bed for most of the show being like, ah, she's going to hurt me. Uh, a very difficult part to play, but he did not also play it very successfully. Apparently he's very hard to direct. I don't know from that. So I can only say Smith says. I can only say what I saw on stage, and that it was not a successful performance. Best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical. You mentioned this was a tough. This is a real toughie. I'll tell you, this is a real toughie because really, because one name is jumping out at me. What name is that? Lin Manuel Miranda. Well, see, this is the thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the, the sort of smarty pants conventional wisdom on this for a long time was that the, the real performance, the real leading performance in Hamilton was Leslie Odom. Okay. Uh, 
that was Lynn, also nominated. who's also nominated uh, as Burr in Hamilton, and whose character in some ways has more of an arc, as uh, you know, uh, and who is a is a real musical theater performer. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that well, Lynn wrote it, and he's very charming in it, but he's not really. The, the trip on it was oh, he's not really a musical theater actor. He's mm-hmm. the author who happens to be in the show. Uh, and I think that that conventional wisdom has shifted a little bit over the past year. Uh, and I think the balance of power in the show has shifted. And it, when I saw it a year ago, it did really seem like they were equal parts almost. And the last time I saw it, it, it did seem like Hamilton was a much more central part than, than Burr was. Uh, and that, that I'm not sure what's behind that change. Maybe it's just because Lynn has become such a huge breakout star, uh, really maybe the most successful sort of crossover Broadway star in, in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's on the cover of Rolling Stone this month. You know, it's... Um, One of Time Magazine's 100 most influential. Right, right, and he's, he's, he's everywhere, yeah. uh, and, and deservedly so. He's, sure. it's, um, it's a tremendous piece of work. Uh, but I think that, that you know, the, the, the excitement that greets him in the... In, the, in performance now sort of adds to the star luster. I also think his performance has gotten better. I think mm-hmm. he is stronger in it. I think it's deepened. Uh, and I think people also just underestimate generally the difficulty of pulling off what he does, of making it seem so easy, of, of, uh, of delivering this material with as much sort of grace and charm as he does. Uh, I saw In the Heights after he left the show and uh, for me, it was not nearly as effective. You don't know what you've got till it's gone a little bit with yeah. with Lamb, because he does make it seem so easy. It's deceptive. Um, yeah. I'm not saying he's working hard at it, but he has unusual qualities that uh, that come off very well on stage and that work in the interest of the material. And that's what a star performance is. Um, so I think uh, it could go to either of them. And the and the other alternative there in this category is that if people want to spread the wealth, or if people divide their votes between uh, Leslie Odom and, and Lynn Miranda, there's a chance that, that Danny Burstein could win for Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, he's very good in Fiddler on the Roof. He, this is also his sixth nomination mm-hmm. uh, for a Tony in the acting category. He is not yet won. Um, and uh, he would actually, if he lost, I think this would be the, the record. I think six losses with no, with no wins would be the record for uh, for the most losses with no wins. The Susan Lucci of the yeah. Tonys. Kelly O'Hara would have been that last year, but she but she won. And I think that was a factor in her win last year because Kristen Chenoweth was also extremely good. And I think the voters who were deciding between the two of them, two very good performances, thought, well, let's err on the side of the one that doesn't have the Tony. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that could happen this year. Um, but Lynn and Leslie do not, either of them, have an acting Tony, and so that's, that's not a direct... Uh, you know, apples to apples competition uh, comparison. Um, Do you think it's between those three? I think it's between those three. Alex is, is uh, terrific in, in School of Rock, but it's not a substantial performance in the same way, and uh, and the same with, with Zachary Levin. Okay. Uh, so that's that's a toss-up then. How about best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical? We talked about this a little earlier. I think it will be Cynthia Rivo, and I think that it, that it, it, it should be. Uh, you know, she gets a standing ovation she gets a mid-show standing ovation for that big song every night uh, and, uh, and it's, an inc- it's an extremely well thought through performance she really works against all the possible pitfalls of the material mm-hmm. and uh, she almost just rushes through the whole first act if you watch it she is, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a very hard nosed unsentimental performance and she wins the audience's trust by, by not giving in to some of the traps that she could fall into. Uh, and by the end, the audience is, you know, just wowed by her. And, and correctly, she, she is this revival. Okay. Um, well, I'll be rooting for Jesse Mueller. Go Orange. Uh, Jesse's um, not going to win, but she's wonderful in, in, <laughs> in Waitress. But she just won a few years ago. And again, that is, you know, whether it should be or not, that, yeah. is, that is a factor. People think, well, we gave it to her for Beautiful those two years ago. Right. Right. Um, best performance by an actor in a featured role in a play. Uh, We've got Reed, Bernie, Bill Camp, David Furr, Richard Goulding, and Michael Shannon. Uh, I think this one comes down to Reed, Bernie versus Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. 
Reed Burney has the advantage of it being a larger part. Uh, this could have been, I think, reasonably, arguably submitted as, as lead actor in this particular show, okay. although it's very much an ensemble show. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, if there's any lead in the show, it is, it is that. The humans? Or yeah, in the humans. Uh, Long Day's Journey is a smaller part, Michael mm -hmm. Shannon, but he has a very big scene in the, you know, he has a very big climactic scene. Uh, where he's drunk and he's darkly funny, and it's a it's a big performative scene, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Uh, and, and Michael Shannon is uh, is extremely good in that scene. He's a, and he's a terrific actor, um, and he's been you know nominated for an Oscar and whatnot. You know, he, like he's uh, he's a theater actor who's made good in Hollywood and in character roles. Sure. Uh, so uh, it it could really be either of them. Um, I think that Reed has a bit of an advantage, maybe in part because it is a bigger part. Mm -hmm. uh, and because uh, people will want, if I, I'm assuming that people will be voting for the humans for best play. If that's true, people usually like to vote for a few other awards to go along with best play. Right. Uh, so that will help him. And um, and and also, Reed is is a lovely actor who's been doing beautiful work for a long time. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows it. Um, he's also a lovely man. <laughs> he's very well liked. Mm -hmm. Uh, so those things, you know, uh, in, when it comes down to two very strong performances, uh, those things might help tip it in his favor. Awesome. Uh, best performance by an actress in a featured role in a play. Very tough category. Again, there's a lot this year, especially on the play side, that are going to be very hard to predict. Is this Andrea Martin, like Peter Pan Andrea Martin? <laughs> did, did she play Peter Pan like No, you're thinking Mary Martin. Ago? I'm thinking Mary Martin. That's yeah, no, Mary Martin is long dead. <laughs> Mary Martin's son, Sandy, Larry Hagman, is dead. In his 80s, this is your time. Wait, Larry Hagman yeah, was Mary, Mary Martin's, Martin's son. son. Yes. Well, he got shot on Dallas. On Dallas, that's right. And he dreamed of Jeannie. And yes. he did dream of Jeannie. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Mary Martin, no longer alive. Uh, Andrew Martin, <laughs> beloved comic actress uh, and yes. two-time Tony winner already. Uh, is it three-time? Am I... Could well, be I don't three even times. know who uh, she is, obviously. Uh, she won for Pippin in my favorite year. And... Uh, uh, She's been nominated other times. I forget if she's won. Um, and was on SCTV, you know, mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. Oh, yes. Um, marvelous, marvelous comic actress. But she won't win for this. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, I think that um, uh, Jane Hodeschel could win for The Humans. Again, uh, a, a beloved local character actor and, mm -hmm. uh, and very, very good in the show. Uh, has been nominated before twice, has not won. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that would help. Also, the two women from Eclipsed, uh, Pascal Armand and uh, and Seikon Senglo. Uh, of the two, I think Seikon probably has a has a better chance, uh, just because it's a it's a role that has more gravitas. Um, but uh, I actually think that the, the, the anyway, I won't get into who wasn't nominated, but the, but the, the the other actress from that play is in a job. Uh, I think could very easily and probably, yeah, should have been nominated for this uh, performance. Uh, I actually probably would have voted for her had she been nominated, but she, will she you wasn't. Name, will you name her? Uh, no, I just, I just oh, did. Her name is Zinabja. It's an unusual name. Yes. She's British. Uh, she's I thought British you sneezed. African. No. Um, uh -huh. uh, but uh, she's wonderful uh, in the show. Uh, but, you know, I guess there are only so many cat and there are only so many slots. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry that she wasn't nominated. Uh, I think that uh, probably this will be Jane or Sakon. Um, and uh, it will depend partly on how much people like the humans. Cool. Uh, best performance by an actor in a featured role in a musical. David Diggs. For Hamilton. Uh, for Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it could be uh, could be Chris Jackson for Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that David is uh, is really really pops on stage. I mean, and and seeing it again, the he is a rock star now. Mm -hmm. People are who are seeing the show now have uh, had a lot of experience with the cast album, they know what to expect, and they love him going in, uh, and he's uh, tremendously charming and attractive up there. He's having a great time, and he's been doing this for a year and a half now, and he still just seems like he's having a blast up there. He gets entrance applause as both Lafayette and Jefferson. Uh, you know, wow. he's, a, he's a star. And, um, and I think that he emblematizes the show more than Chris does. Uh, who, who is doing a more sort of solid, he's playing George 
Washington, and he's giving a very solid, very strong um, musical theater performance. But in mm -hmm. terms of the hip hop aspect of it, which is what people are really excited about the show, uh, or you know what what excites people about the show, uh, I think that Didi really encapsulates that. He's a a superb you know uh, hip hop deliverer. He's incredibly fast. Uh, he's incredibly charismatic and. Uh, and manages to communicate a, a lot of character even while zipping through these incredibly fast passages. Um, so I, I think it'll be David, and uh, along the same lines, I think that Renee Elise Goldsbury will win for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. Um, she's, uh, she's delightful in the show. Um, she's playing Angelica mm -hmm. Schuyler, uh, the sister-in-law of Hamilton. Uh, and uh, she has helped in addition to it being a very good performance and it being a Hamilton year, uh, she's helped by having what, for my money, is maybe the best musical number in the show and maybe the best new musical number that I've seen in 20 years of Broadway musicals. Which number is that? Uh, it's in the song called Satisfied. Mm -hmm. And I think that just a, as a pure, perfect, new musical theater number, uh, I... I I found it just staggeringly effective, mm -hmm. and um, and so you know the material. Your actors, you know, to some extent, rise or fall on the strength of the material and the and the part. Uh, she has a really first-rate material to deliver, and she she delivers it extremely well. Uh, I think that she's going to win this. Do you ever sleep? By the way, you're you're here all day, and then you go and in your <laughs> mostly Sondheim. Well. R.I.P. like two o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I don't sleep as much as I should. That's the truth. Uh, I, I probably don't get enough. I, I probably got, I should get a couple more hours. <laughs> but uh, the life I chose. Um, yeah. So, oh, also Christopher Jackson, uh, when a, a previous podcast guest Carrie Compare was in um, a Holler If You Hear Me with him, and, and now she's in the Color Purple. Um, but uh, went to see, I was basically dragged to holler if you hear me by my friend because Carrie did my show and it was great and stuff but my friend like begged her manager to get me free tickets and I love hip hop but I had no desire to see it. and uh, <laughs> neither did anyone else no it turns out. and then I and then I go and then afterwards we, we go backstage and we're talking to uh, we, we meet Chris Jackson and uh, this girl is like oh I saw you in In the Heights twice and I go I saw you four times I was <laughs> in competition with this girl but who sees in the high spots? You gotta see it more than that. Um, all right, let's uh, skip. Uh, let's skip over to best direction of a play. Uh, I this is this again goes back to what we were talking about before. Will people yeah. give it to Joe Mantello for the humans, or will they give it to Evo uh, for a View from the Bridge? Uh, I mean, the, the the advantage for Evo Van Hove is that he had these two shows this year that got a, an enormous amount of attention and acclaim mm -hmm. and also the, the those both all both these productions and he had a number of other things also that were off probably like the Lazarus the David Bowie musical uh, at New York Theatre Workshop he, and, and he had something at BAM you know he's been very very active this year he's really uh, had a, a breakout year so this would be a way to reward his breakout year uh, he got a special citation from the New York Drama Critics Circle for his work um, as well as the work of his designer uh, Jan Bersvold, uh, who is also his partner, uh, and who does the set and lighting for, for his shows. Um, the, the, you know, and also when, when you're watching these productions, you're certainly very aware at all moments of exactly how big a contribution the direction has made, because uh, these revivals were all about the directorial choices. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, that cuts both ways. You, if you were the type of audience member who doesn't like director theater, then you will not like those productions. Mm -hmm. uh, you will find them over fussy, over ornamented, distracting from the thrust of the story that they're telling, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so, so I, I, it, I mean, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school when I say that I voted for Joe Mantello for The Humans. Uh, I thought The Humans was perfectly executed, and I think that that reflects the director's attention to the ensemble acting and the subtle dynamics of them, as well as, in this case, uh, subtle 
and interesting shifts in the visual and sonic landscape of the play. And I think that all of those were perfectly put together by Joe Mantello. Uh, but I was very impressed with Eva Van Hove's work also in both of these revivals, and uh, I think he has a, a strong chance. The fact that he, um, you know, the fact that, that he had such a, a big year. I mean, Joe Mantello directed other things on Broadway this year too, but they weren't, you know, he directed An Act of God, and, he's done, and Wicked is still running it. Uh, you know, he's had a very successful year, but they weren't two big prestige shows in the same, in the same way. Uh, he also did Blackbird, which was a very uh, well-received show, uh, but that was a restaging of a show that he had done nine years ago, so um, he doesn't quite get full credit for that in the eyes of the Tony, I think, uh, votership. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you can argue that, that Mantello has had a, a big year. You can certainly argue that Van Hova has. Uh, I would say Van Hova also benefits from the fact that he did View from the Bridge and The Crucible. He's only nominated for View from the Bridge. So someone who wants to award him for either of those plays can kind of bunch it <laughs> into the View from the Bridge. Uh, he's not competing against himself the right. way that, that some of the creatives are. You know, Jan Westerveld is competing against himself in, in several categories. Okay, so uh, if you had to, you had to pick, it's well, it's definitely between those two, you think, right? Joe Mantello and Evo Van Hova. Yeah, Hova. I would say I would say uh, Hova. Like Jay Z. <laughs> um, how about best direction of a music? Uh, I. Hold on one second. I just want to check. Oh, you know what? I'm 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 wrong. Jan Westerveld is only competing against himself in the lighting category. Uh, He's not competing against himself in set. Although he could have been mm -hmm. had they nominated him for Christmas. Got it. Um, I totally bypassed the lighting. So anything that you yeah mentioned. Well, I I, I think I think those are those are difficult categories to predict. I think again they come down to you know for example set. You know, do yeah. you like David Zinn's uh, perfect set for the humans? Uh, do you like Jan Westerveld's more striking set for View from the Bridge, you know, um, that's a that's a that's a personal taste issue, really. Uh, the uh, other nominees there are both in set for play are both very strong, but shows that were not successes and closed fairly uh, long ago, so are sort of less in the voter mind. Uh, the the, the, the the creatives are, are interesting this year in as much as they will reflect the Hamilton sweep dynamic um, because I think there's a case to be made for the costumes in Shuffle Along or for the costumes in Hamilton, as, as good as the costumes in Hamilton are. Uh, and similarly, I think there's a case to be made for, for sets, for say David Rockwell's set for She Loves Me over David Corns' set in Hamilton, although again, David Corns' set is ideally suited to Hamilton, is extremely well considered and uh, detailed. So really, it's, it won't be an outrage if any, if, if the Hamilton people win, uh, even if there may be some who say, well, someone else could have won, it won't be an outrage. It won't be just sort of a, a, a wave sweep. No, they didn't deserve it. They only won it because blah, blah, blah. Uh, there are strong arguments that can be made in favor of the Hamilton nominees. Uh, on merit, and um, and so uh, it'll be it'll just be a question of whether people want to spread it around a little bit more. Gotcha. Best direction of a musical. That'll be Thomas Kell for Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, best choreography. Choreography is if Hamilton. I think that choreography sets and costumes and choreography especially are the weakest, are the most likely to be lost by Hamilton, other than best lead actress. Uh, if Hamilton does not sweep, um, Saving Glover's choreography in Shuffle Along is really mind-blowing. Uh, he's one of the best dancers in the world, uh, especially in his, you know, in his tap category. He also, it turns out, is a marvelous choreographer with a deep knowledge of the history of the art and, uh, and of how to communicate that. He has theater in his bones. He's been on stage since he was a child. Uh, he gets it. Uh, he also gets how to go beyond the tropes of conventional show dancing and uh, integrate those uh, styles into storytelling in exciting ways. Uh, and tap dancing is not 
necessarily uh, as expressive an idiom as, let's say, ballet. Um, it's it's you know so it's a, it's a harder challenge in a way because it's so so much of it is focused on the on the percussive aspect and on the bottom half. Um, but he uh, finds really, I think, very interesting ways to get around that challenge uh, and to make it part of the storytelling, uh, you know, sort of the storytelling whole in the W-H-O-L-E, in the, in the show. Uh, the, but again, Andy Blankmuller in, um, in Hamilton, it's, the choreography in Hamilton is a huge part of the staging at every moment. They are, the ensemble is very present, very active, and very exciting. Uh, if, the, if the show really works, and it does, uh, I mean, a big part of the reason that it works is because the whole staging is so dynamic. And that's not just Thomas Kale's direction, that's also Andy's choreography. Uh, at every moment of the show, it's supporting it. And the, and the set is fairly uh, unobtrusive. Really, a lot of the space on the stage is being created through the choreography and through the work of the dancers. Uh, it's inseparable, I think, from the effectiveness of the staging. And so um, you have one of these cases where I wish you could have a tie uh, between Hamilton and Shuffle Along this year. Both of the, their work in both cases, I think, is just uh, is, uh, extremely high-level work. Uh, and it you know, breaks, breaks your heart to have to vote for one of them. So you wanted a tie between those two, yeah. but you want Saving Glover to win it? I didn't say I wanted one or the other. I'd be happy with either of them winning. I wish that both of them could. Got it. Uh, and um, this includes a, a previous Blazing Ride guest as well, Best Orchestration. Uh, that will be Alex for Hamilton, that uh, and and that's um, and that's 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 deserved because again, if we're talking, what I was just saying about the choreography and the staging is true of, uh, you know, of his work as orchestrator, um, in Hamilton, uh, and the on the soundscape level. And this is a, you know this is one of those years where you really wish that they had a sound design category, which was eliminated from the Tonys uh, after a few years of sort of trial. Um, they cut it, and it's too bad because this is really a year where the sound design on Broadway was noticeable and valuable in a way that it does isn't always. Uh, the sound in Hamilton is a huge factor in the effectiveness of the show. Uh, if that show were muddier to the audience, it would be a mess. Um, it's a it's a huge challenge. It's a testament to Lynn's skill as a lyricist and composer, but also to the designer's skill in making all those things audible, and also in creating sort of uh, oral landscapes that call to mind the styles of music that you know are being referenced or hyperlinked in the score. Um, and certainly Alex, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's possible to separate out Miranda's uh, composition from, uh, from, from where Alex Lockmore comes in, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, the, I think it's, and I think that Lynn would probably say this also. Um, it just seems they seem joined at the hip in terms of the the, the full effect that they're creating, and uh, and how it registers to us as listeners. Uh, you know how how it triggers, how it alerts us to the styles that it is referencing, um, and how it it builds up or pulls back when necessary to create dramatic moments within the score. Um, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's tremendous. And this, again, not to take away from some of the other orchestration this year, um, which is more perhaps in line with what we think of as big orchestration. They have larger orchestras or, you know, they're, they're building using tools that we're a little bit more familiar with in terms of the instruments involved. But uh, I think in terms of, of creating the sound of the show, it's a Hamilton win. All right. And will you be attending the Tonys tonight? I will not. No. I will be at home furiously live tweeting. Oh, I thought you were going to. After furiously, of course, my mind went to masturbating. Why would your. Why? Because furiously, no, what no, else is a guy no. going to say after First I'll of all, why are you so mad when you masturbate? I, <laughs> masturbation is a joyous occasion. Yes. Um, there are lots of things I do with greater fury. Uh -huh. um, including live tweet the Tony Awards. <laughs> um, so I'll be doing that. Um, I'll I'll probably be multi live tweeting it because I'll probably be 
live tweeting it partially from the timeout mainframe account mm -hmm. and uh, and also from the timeout theater account and also from my own personal account which is at Feldman Adam oh okay on Twitter it's my name uh -huh. but with my last name first first and uh, are your tweets connected to your Facebook? Will we see it on Facebook? Uh, no, I don't. I don't like to link. I don't like to do that. But I will probably okay. put up. I'll put. Up, I'll probably put up a few ones. You know that I like on Facebook. But it's really, it's so immediate that it's it lends itself a little bit better to Twitter than to Facebook. I think. And are there any performances that you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, a lot of them. Again, this is. I can't emphasize this enough. This mm -hmm. is not boosterism on my part. I'm happy to say when we've had a weak year. Uh, I think this is a really strong year. It's full of things that I'm excited to see on the telecast, especially Hamilton, but not only Hamilton. I'm very excited to see what they'll do. I mean, there's a lot of speculation about what Hamilton is going to perform on the Tonys, which is a whole other discussion. You mean like yeah, what number song they're going to? Yeah, um, I suspect it'll be a small medley leading into Room Where It Happens, but I don't know. Surprise me. Um, I think I'm really excited to see that. I'm really excited to see Shuffle Along. I'm really excited to see the all of the revivals of the musical uh, that are nominated this year. Um, and so, you know, I think there will be, if all goes well, this could be one of those years where we have a lot of takeaway Tony treasure moments. Mm -hmm. I, I just, one of my favorite things that I've put out into the world through Time Out is this list that I have put together of the best, what I think are the best Tony Award performances from nominated musicals over the past 50 years. Uh, and, uh, and I think that is a, an important part of what the Tonys are good for. You know, they preserve this moment and uh, they preserve great performances. And the great performances are not always from the best shows. And, the, you know, uh, sometimes you'll just have a great number or one that really lands on the telecast for whatever reason. And sometimes you'll have great shows that just don't pop on TV or they didn't choose the right thing or they didn't film it right or whatever. But the ones that do, it's exciting. And you, you know, when I was a kid, I would rewatch these things over and over again. And now that there's YouTube, it's even easier to do that. And it connects us in a way that used to be much harder with uh, the still ephemeral but less ephemeral uh, world of musical theater past. Are you looking forward to James Corden hosting? Yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, um, we'll see. He has a lot to live up to. No, I mean, like, I like James Corden a lot. It, it, it's it's going to be hard to live up to, to Neil Patrick Harris and, and Hugh Jackman. You know? Who hosted last year? Was it Jackman? Huh? I don't know. You don't remember? I don't know. I don't, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure I, I was very yeah, excited Yeah, because it was two time. years ago it was Neil Patrick Harris, but I, I feel like... Wait, wasn't it... Wasn't Kristen... Wait. Was it Kristen and... Who hosted it last year? Uh, how quickly we forget. But you know, I don't watch yes. it for the. I, I really don't watch it for the hosting. Um, I uh, I watch it. I watch it for the numbers, and I watch it for the winner for the speeches. Yeah. Um, so it's it's sad, but the host really. It was it was it was it was, it was definitely Kristen. It was it was two people. It was Chris, it was Alan Cumming. It was Alan Cumming. Oh, yeah. That's why I couldn't. But watch. that's also why it doesn't. It's not as memorable because yeah. it's not. Uh, those years when they have multiple hosts, they sort of do a little business and then they're they're out. Right. It's not the same stamp as when you have someone like like Neil Patrick Harris or, right. or Hugh Jackman or Angela Lansbury. You know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't remember the years in the in the eighties and nineties when it was like Glenn Close and Jeremy Irons host. The, you know, like I don't. They're not designed to be remembered in the same way. <laughs> no, no. I always think it's weird how. Uh, CBS keeps inviting LL Cool J back to host the Grammys year, <laughs> year after year after year. And I remember when I was a kid, it used to be Gary Shandling and then John Stewart, and comedians used to host the Grammys. Um, he's very likable, LL Cool J. That's the thing. So I, I mean, he's also on the network, but I was in an airport on a layover from a wedding in Kentucky to um, uh, uh, Brooklyn, or to Kennedy. No, 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 to LaGuardia. And uh, the layover was in D.C., and I see LL Cool J is just in the shop there at the airport. And um, people are going up to him, you know, like crazy, of course, because he's LL Cool J. And he is so nice to everyone and taking pictures with every single person. And I was like, do I? Yeah, I got to do it. So then I went up and he was like, it's a pleasure. And he was 
So I think that he's just extremely easy to work with, which I think they why they. I think that that always helps, Um, but also I think he's very likable on screen. I think he's like an easy peasy, smooth transition as a host. He's not calling attention. It's for something like the Grammys, where there it's just there's so much going on. It's just one huge mega number after another. You just you don't necessarily want someone pulling focus in the host slot you know you just want someone who can make the transitions who can lubricate those moments (laughs) um and of course you know i have a a affection for him from his memorable tony awards presentation with uh, carol channing i don't remember that was an unusual pairing yes uh and was a a a camp moment of recent tony uh relatively recent tony award vintage so um look it up they They just presented together but there was a little bit of rapping from yeah, it was, you know, it's, um, that's all. It okay. was fun. Um, so anything else that you, you want to discuss about this year's Tony Awards? I feel like we've, how long have we been talking? A long, a long time. time. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like we, uh, we've covered, covered pretty much, we're, if, if anyone is still listening, <laughs> uh, enjoy the Tony Awards tonight. Yes. Um, this is Ryan Holmes with Blazing Rye Radio for the David Bowers Awards. I've been chatting with Adam Feldman, the theater and cabaret critic for Time Out New York. And enjoy the Tonys, everyone. Good night.